0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa.
1: Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Today we're joined very kindly by Alan Green. Alan, thank you much for being on the podcast today.
0: Good to be back again, John. Thank you for having me.
1: So there's a couple of uh, stocks that we're going to discuss as usual. But Alan, let's take a look uh, initially at what's happening here in the UK and in particular in the pound. We've seen Mm. quite a significant drop uh, in very, very few trading sessions since the beginning of September uh, against the dollar, we've gone from about 135, just below 135, and we're now trading well beneath the 130 level. So a very sharp uh, decline there. Um, for equity investors in the FTSE 100, this has actually been a good thing because we've seen again that inverse relationship between the FTSE 100 and uh, and the pound come into play. Um, very sharp, uh, very sharp drop in the pound. There has provided some support for the FTSE 100 due to it is waiting on on overseas shares. But Alan, let's sort of look at the reasons for this and, and what it could mean for uh, investors going forward. Um, we've of of course seen Brexit come back into the headlines. Yeah. Uh, This week, Uh, there has been uh, an admission by the government that they will be breaking international law um, to some extent. I mean, how much emphasis do you think investors are going to start to put back on Brexit now? Um, Or do you think this is something that they've seen it before? They've seen it for four years. We've seen an initial reaction and it's sort of done and dusted, and we're just going to sort of float through this debacle? Um, and sort of see uh, the, the results in, in the coming years.
0: That's a very good point, Jonathan. And uh, I think, uh, you know, it's, it, it's uh, the pounds or the, the, um, the, the, the devaluation of the pound can be sort of explained by a number of anomalies. Um, I, I guess this time last year when we, we were heading into Brexit and, and when Boris came into power finally... Um, and of course, he was promising that uh, that uh, you know he'd deliver it half baked, fully baked, or whatever. Um, uh, all was fine because, as a uh, as the, uh, the the newly incumbent uh, Tory leader and uh, winner of the election, which was uh, a decisive victory, um, of course he was able to go to the country with some conviction and promise a result on Brexit, and um, and uh, and people bought into that, and I think. Uh, I think, although some of the uh, some of the posturing uh, did create some wobbles in the pound, it came back quite strongly as people believed in UK PLC. But we've seen, uh, I think, by any standards, a pretty shocking handling of the COVID crisis by by uh, uh, Boris and his cronies at, at Number Ten. Um, and I think uh, in the process. The, the reactive policy making that they're they've been making on the hoof we've seen um, today the uh, restrictions now for gatherings of uh, no gatherings of no more than six people come back in again after they reopen the pubs and the restaurants and uh, and, and and the schools um, and it's just they're just reacting to numbers and seemingly making it up as they go along and I think as such they've lost a great deal of credibility so when it comes to brexit and policies surrounding Brexit going forward. Um, uh, no one seems to, I, I think we're losing credibility on the international stage um, as, as a result of it. So um, th- th- that said, the FTSE 100, as you pointed out just now, is is uh, the constituents are, are very much made up of uh, a large number of, of dollar earners and uh, overseas companies. And of course, a lot of those are the big mining and uh, commodity groups like uh, BHP Billiton and Rio Tinto and Glencore and others. So, of course, these are traders in commodities and precious metals, which, as we know, are going through the roof at the moment. So, um, yeah, I, I, I see, I see uh, some stability in in the markets from that standpoint, and I believe, particularly following on from comments from the US Fed Governor Jerome Powell that they're prepared to accept um, higher inflation at around 2%. Um, that's In doing that, they've effectively signaled to the markets that low interest rates are here to stay for many years to come. And of course, with that uh, we'll have the attendant uh, increase in value in um, precious metals, simply because fiat currency is being devalued as a result of the ongoing um, um, asset purchases and monetary policy.
1: I just want to look at um, the uh, the toss up between value and momentum in equities, just briefly, Alan. Because I'm looking here over the last five days, and I think this is very much a reaction to uh, the the changing stance on the Brexit deal from from Boris Johnson the biggest fallers that we're seeing and, and have seen in the FTSE 100 over the last five trading sessions are the house builders in Taylor Wimpey, Persimmon and Barrett. they they're all down uh, between sort of 9 to 10% over those last five trading sessions so do you think there is any weight to the argument that now could be looking you know the time to be looking at equities such as these that appear to be undervalued, um, they're obviously pricing in uh, a a disastrous outlook for the UK economy. But is this the point now where um, there could be an allocation to such stocks um, hoping for recovery as we go through to next year? Or really, would it be sensible, do you feel, to stick with that momentum play when you're looking at the commodity side of things and thinking, well, there's a trend here, this could continue, but there is that risk that it snaps back in the short term if we start to see wider uh, the wider economy pick up and, and that allocation switch to, to value.
0: Yeah, very much so. It's a good point on house builders there, Jonathan. I mean, the um, although the prices of those stocks have fallen, um, it's interesting to note the comments from uh, Nick Roberts, uh, who's the CEO of Travis Perkins, when they reported yesterday, uh, um, that they said the long-term fundamentals of the groups and markets and of course travis are are pretty well wholly uk based and uk focused they're serving both the uh, the new the, uh, the house building industry and of course also the um the uh, the, the repair and maintenance and and home improvement uh, markets too and um and they say uh, travis said that demand in those in its key end markets is remaining robust uh, despite the significant uncertainty in the UK economy, so I think they're certainly their the orders they're seeing uh, don't necessarily reflect the uncertainty um, going forward. Although, of course, their 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 numbers were hit by COVID. Um, certainly, the, the the forward picture and the and the, the guidance from Travis is is, is pretty good. So, um, so I think from that standpoint, we can take some comfort in that. But um, but clearly, you know, with Brexit, um, the posturing. From Boris isn't helping anyone. I think they've got to have constructive dialogue and uh, and 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 work out a strategic exit that that works for everyone.
1: Okay, so just to sort of finish off on on this point here, when we're looking at such equities, what do you think the mood is going to be as we start to see the furlough scheme wind down at the end of October? This is just, of course something that we've we've touched on yeah. uh, previously. But with Brexit now in the mix and obviously these movements that we're starting to see in UK focused equities, you know, is that going to be a point where we could see a cliff edge in stocks? Not.
0: uh, Yeah, I I think anything's possible uh, because we're, you know, we are largely in uncharted territory in terms of the amount of financial support the UK government and governments around the world are providing to 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 workers but um i think uh, i think of course if we if we get to that point um given that other countries have already extended the furlough scheme we said last time i think germany had extended through to through to, through to april next april next year ireland have also extended too so i think it's highly Likely that Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, will have to come up with an alternative or extend the furlough scheme. Um, and of course, if he does that, there's going to be more. Uh, there's going to be more pressure on the pound because uh, it's a, it it it'll be uh, debt will be mounting. Um, a, a government debt will be sort of mounting to previously unseen levels. Um, and of course, uh, it, you know, the, the government will, will need to spend its way out of trouble by. Effectively, um, asset purchases and and printing money. So, so that will have the net effect of, of uh, I think, providing support for the resources, precious metals, and mining sector, which on its own should be enough to balance off the negativity. That we'll see from other sectors. Uh, obviously, the high street, the the, uh, uh, the some of the non-food retailers, I think, are going to be uh, going to take a, 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 a massive hit over this, and of course, airlines and uh, and and, and uh, travel and leisure stocks. So um, it's going to be a finely balanced act. But it, it, I think uh, Rishi will have to act and provide some further support come uh, come that point, simply because simply because the prospects already are that we're going to see a continued lockdown through 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 winter 2020.
1: Indeed. Um, and I think that's going to be something that we're very much looking forward to discussing and the, the implications for markets there, because I think they're going to be quite broad. So, indeed, something that we will no doubt touch on again. But let's just go back to this point on, on value and look at a company, Tullo Oil, mm. that has reported today. Now, this is a company, when you're looking at the balance sheet, you're looking at the income statement, um, very tricky to work out how these shares should be valued. But so far today, after their results, the market feels that there um, could be a little bit more downside. They're down 10% uh, on the day. And Alan, what is the story there with them
0: Okay, so uh, um Atlantic uh, Capital Markets uh, put a note out on Tello this morning and I'd say reading through it I I pretty well agree with with everything everything they've said. Um the 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 situation is this. I mean Tello um I mean they are obviously um Africa and um Africa focused primarily um and they had a big um a big asset in Uganda which uh, they struggled to uh sell and uh They've, they've written off a huge amount of money. Um, as at June 30th, Tullo has net debt of $3 billion. Just let that sink in for a second. I mean, that's a huge number by any standards. Um, the, um, the production from the existing uh, existing uh, 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 Ghana um, uh, uh, operations have been steady and solid, Seven seventy seven thousand seven hundred barrels of ore per day, generating... Um, Revenues of $731 million uh, with gross profits of $164 million. But with the write-downs, a loss after tax of $1.3 billion. Um, so, I mean, the, the company currently has a valuation of $238 million. Um, and uh, the Atlantic made, uh, Capital Markets made the point that, you know, the, let's not forget Tullow oil is a former oil industry bellwether and it's it was one of the much loved stocks amongst uh, amongst retail investors Um, it made an awful awful lot of people an awful lot of money but um, uh, early this year Tullow um, under the previous uh, uh, the the previous management team had highlighted its own survival Uh, you know that there was a risk of its own survival um, and it said it was uncertain it would be able to operate as a a going concern um, uh, earlier this year, um, and it still faces today. Uh, Atlantic Capital Markets are saying an existential crisis. Um, although we've got this solid production and also some good solid forward guidance from Ghana, um, any any upset to that, any any blip in that production um, could just tip the company over the edge. Uh, we've got these debt levels, these write downs, um, and although management have plans. Uh, we uh, we uh, the group appointed new CEO, um, new CEO Raul Deere, um, and they uh, Dorothy Thompson's moved to chair. Uh, to, moved to chair. They've also appointed Mitchell Ingram, who's a, 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 an oil and gas um, uh, veteran. Uh, he's come onto the board today as a non-exec. So m- new team in place. Um, management are insisting that the quality of Tullow's assets remains robust, but of course they've got plans in place. To save money, and and, uh, they are projecting cash savings of three hundred fifty million over the next three years, which is fine and good. But you know, that's uh, uh, still—I wouldn't say pin break—but there's still uh, a very small dent in these in this huge this huge step mountain. Um, And uh, you know, Teller are of the view that get uh, uh, sorry, Atlantic are of the view that, given the crisis at the moment, given the COVID crisis, given uh, all of the other factors. if, for example, oil, oil, uh, what happens to oil early in the year uh, happens again, where we go back to a point where they're actually paying people to take oil away, then that could that could be enough to tip Tello over the edge. So um, until Atlantic have said, until the new management team can demonstrate they're on top of the debt pile, they are reducing the debt pile. Then they are; they remain sellers of the stock, and the, the stock hit an all-time low early this year of seven p, and they believe it will revisit that level in the not too distant future.
1: So, just just looking at the other side of, the, of this argument, of course, the market cap, uh, two hundred and forty million, give or take, revenues of um, about seven hundred and thirty-one million. What's the potential for a sharp rally, similar to something that we saw back in two thousand and fifteen, when we saw uh, the oil crisis, and uh, of course a lot of the oil companies really sort of moving down towards zero in in some cases, yeah. but then uh, we saw a pickup in the in the price of oil uh, once more, and these stocks exploded higher. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the potential? Do do you feel? this time around to have that sort of scenario given that we could, I mean, if we saw a vaccine, for example, yeah. uh, be approved and, and really economies start to, to to open up again. Of course, there's been a lot of oil production coming um, offline during this period, and, and that will obviously take a bit of time to, to bring back online, have quite a lot of up pre- upside pressure in the price of oil. What's the, the sort of uh, potential there to see that explosion? Or do you think with Tullo it's very much a focus on the balance sheet they're looking at the debt they're looking at the assets and saying we need to get rid of some of these assets to pay down uh, the debt that we have is that the biggest issue or do you think that could be trumped to some extent by a very sharp rally in the price of oil?
0: Absolutely John I mean if there is a recovery in the price of oil and, and if the Covid crisis recedes and uh, people start to travel again and what will well, people are traveling now but if you know if if the if the, the rate of travel increases um then of course uh, we could see a big rally in in Tullo shares um but i think uh, i think the issue right now is if, if there is strength in the stock um you're better off selling into that strength because because you know the the board have to have to show that they're making better inroads into that. I mean, of course, the other thing is that Tullow, being where it's been, uh, you know, I mean, the shares let's not for, uh, let's not forget the shares were well over two pounds in um, a year ago, um, and uh, and here we are now we're sort of at a fraction of that. So um, th- there's every possibility that one of the bigger oil majors could come in and make a play for Tullo or buy some of the assets. So so any any. Any event like that could cause could trigger a uh, could trigger a a spike in the share price. But I think I think for the immediate future, until we see either further movement in the oil price, some interest from um, a potential suitor for some or or all of Tello's assets or progress, tangible progress by management in in actually uh, paying down debt and improving uh, the, the balance sheet status. I think uh, the shares will remain a selling to strength.
1: Indeed, so I'm, I'm sure that's a subject that we'll be touching on again in the uh, the oil market and probably Tullow Oil, given the, uh, the the interest there in those in those shares. So and let's finish off now with one uh, that's operating a little bit closer to home in uh, in Ireland and Arkell. They're up about seven percent today. They're uh, a miner specialized in zinc and gold. What's the latest from them?
0: Okay, so Arca Resources, uh, uh those were a good memory. Uh, of course, we're, we're off the Emerald Isle. Um, Arca Resources are the former Connemara Mining, and uh, they, were, they rebranded themselves Arca last year. Um, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure there are reasons for that, but, uh, but there we go. So, uh, their island focus, obviously, it's all about gold and zinc. They have uh, four key uh, uh, zinc uh, uh, projects. Um, Stone Park, which is in uh, County Limerick, um, which is the main one. Old Castle, which covers Caven and Meath. Uh, derry Kern, which is in the County of Leash, and Ladieswell in West Cork. Um, so, I won't go into details on, on, on all the licenses, but um, the most prolific zinc license for the company is Stone Park. Um, the the twenty three and 23.5% of Stone Park, and Group 11, um, the tier 6 listed Group 11, owns 76%. Um, there's a maiden inferred, inferred resource of 5.1 million tons of lead and zinc with a grading of 11.5%. Um, And the the attractive thing about Stone Park, it's adjacent to the Palace Green zinc mine, which is owned by Glencore. Um, Glencore have steadily been increasing their shareholding in Group 11 over the years and now own 26%. And um, uh, because the geological anomalies from Palace Green run across Stone Park, Clearly, that's uh, you know it, it's very much uh, viewed as a bedrock asset for the group as management has stated previously but uh, um, the, the inference there is that of course Glencore could take a stake in Arkall at some point or could um, or, or may well uh, come to some sort of farming agreement so so there's huge potential there um, as I say that the the uh, the other licenses old castle Derrickkin and Laid as well, um are sort of uh, are all reasonably close to producing mines and um, and those will be uh, developed in due course we've already discussed the the uh, potential for precious metals and for um, for commodities um, so these aren't going to go go away anytime soon um, just to come back to uh, recent events so the company last month raised um, six hundred thousand at 0.8 p I should say at the moment the stock is currently trading at um, at a penny been as high as 1.6 P on the year but at a penny it's got a market capitalization of just under three million sterling which uh, given uh, I think the stone park um, asset by itself it's uh, it's clearly worth many many times more than that but um, the news today uh, the company raised the money last month uh, for exploration in Mine River, and these are uh, the company has two gold assets: Mine River in Wicklow Wex, um, County Wicklow, County Wexford, Southwest Ireland. Uh, eight licenses covering three hundred and forty square kilometers, and also Inishowen, uh, which is on the Inishowen Peninsula in North Donegal. Um, and Arkell have recently drilled the first uh, the first drilling or the first uh, 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 drilling to take place in north on the goal at the and, um and um, they sampled uh, some decent uh, results. Um, one sample was 69 grams per tonne. One sample was 74 grams per tonne of gold. So great potential there. Um, the geology, there's also similar to the Galantis mine uh, uh, um, and the Cronaut mine in Tyrone. So um, those are both producing mines. So clearly great potential there for uh for for, for the company uh, for, for that prospect but uh, today it's about mine river so um the uh, the money was raised for the uh for the sampling in mine river and the company said today that um it had identified strive five strong gold indicators along the gold trust which is gold uh, trend, which is east of Tom Breen, um, and uh, the those they, the the sampling uh, has been sent off to um, to the uh, to, to, uh, for analysis, and we should hear about these these very, very soon. But uh, the um, the CEO of the company is well known industry veteran John Teeling, been in the industry for forty years. He's run Panandean Mines, Minco, African Gold, Persian Gold, West African Diamonds, and has been on the board of Kenmore. And Archon as as well, so very well known throughout the industry. And John Teeling said today the res- initial results are very promising, um, uh, and and the and the sampling using new data analysis techniques has uh, de- identified two new areas of mineral- mineralization. So of course, once those um, once those results come back from uh, from analysis, then the next step is, is to drill. But very encouraging. We've seen a. A little fillip in the share price today, Uh, with the shares just under three million. I think those the the uh, the um, portfolio of assets owned by the company should see uh, well could could lead to some significant re-rating in the not too distant future.
1: So, just having a quick look at their results, they put out a couple of months ago. They said, uh, you know, going forward, they saw um, you know declining interest uh, within Ireland in the exploration. Uh, side of things um, for Arkell and they were considering uh, options overseas but they hadn't found anything that presented an opportunity better than what they were doing in Ireland. Given those sort of comments how much do you think the future success of Arkell is dependent on any deal with Glencore?
0: Well I think that's always the case but certainly uh, you know the fact that Glencore have been uh, buying steadily buying up stock in Group 11 and now own 26%, I think that's highly significant. So, um, so and, and also the fact that Glencore owned the Palace Mine, which is adjacent to Stone Park, um, I think really tells its own story. And we often see these uh, these situations where an adjacent asset is developed by another company um, and the incumbent company owning the main asset in the area then steps in and, and makes an offer. So I think, uh, I think a sale there is... Eminently possible, but clearly there's been no confirmation uh, to that end as of yet. But um, I mean, you said exploration in Ireland is on the way, and I mean that that's uh, that's really at odds with what's happening with other companies in the area. We've seen a we've seen Anglo Asian uh, former joint venture with Conroy Gold uh, for one of their their gold mines, and uh, and there is there is plenty of activity underway. So perhaps those are those Comments from the board were uh, a little premature because, of course, we've seen really since uh, early this year we've seen a, a big jump in the value of junior mining stocks and uh, projects that were hitherto considered une- uneconomical to develop and work on have um, have all of a sudden been revisited and uh, are, are being developed in, in some cases. So yeah, I, I, I see. There's I do see good potential for Argo resources in Ireland in the near future.
1: Indeed, and you've pointed out some quite interesting there, com- companies there, which I'm sure that we uh, will touch on at some point in a future podcast. Alan, there. Yeah. So, Alan, thank you very much for being with us today.
0: Thank you, John. Good to be here.
1: So, just as a recap, we discussed Tullo Oil, which trades under the ticker of TLW, and just there was Arkle Resources, which trades under the ticker of ARK. Just going to leave uh, the listeners with a snippet um, from the virtual investor presentation we did yesterday with Almonte Industries. uh, The full video and presentation slides are available on the UK Investor Magazine website and app in the video section. So just going to leave you here with a snippet of a discussion between the CEO, uh, Lewis Black, and an analyst from First Berlin, Simon Scholes, discussing some of the assets they have in the tungsten market. Thank you very much.
0: 640,000 tons of ore of will pass through that plant, increasing to 1.2 million. To give you an example, at Los Santos, we were processing 480,000 tons a year, and in Panascara, we process just over 800,000, 850,000 tons per year. So it's it's in our wheelhouse of comfort. Obviously, there are other projects that require two to three million tons the past year. This is outside of our experience level, that that, that kind of quantity. Remembering that tungsten is very brittle and and handling it is, is, is is really an art form. So we, we don't feel with what we planned at Samdong, we are going to be faced with anything that we haven't already experienced. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.